Well, I bet you haven't heard singing like that in church for a while. <laughs> Thank you, Valerie. All right, everybody, turn with me to John chapter 11, verse 1. I want to talk to you about something today that has been on my heart. And I think this will help explain some of the ways of God to us that sometimes are uh, mystifying. And that's why I'm going to talk to you today about when God is silent. When God is silent. And while you're turning to John 11, I want to remind you that Wednesday night we're going to be continuing in the series Exposing Cultural Lies. And this Wednesday night I'm going to deal with the hot button issue of homosexuality. You say, why deal with that? Well, because God dealt with it in the Word. And because our culture is sending all kinds of messages about it. So I'm going to go where angels fear to tread. And I'm just going to, in love, it's not going to be any condemnation from me. I'm just going to take the Word of God and break it down and, and just look at what Romans 1 has to say about this subject. So everybody say, glad you and not me. <laughs> all right. John 11, and by the way, it will be rated PG-13. And I'm not saying crude. I'm just saying we're going to deal with it as the Bible does. So the kids are going to be downstairs. We do have a teacher. And, um, well, let's just see what God has to say about all this stuff. Okay? John 11, 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister. Uh, and her sister Martha. It was that same Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, they sent a messenger to him saying, Lord behold, he whom you love is sick. Now when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Great, great statement from Jesus. This problem, this dilemma, this sickness is not unto death. It's not what it looks like. It's for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through this problem. Now, before we read verse 6, let me remind you, catch this. The girls, the sisters, did not hear this. They, are, they, they do not know that Jesus said these words. The messenger heard it. The disciples heard it. But not, not the sisters, not Mary and Martha. They're over there with a sick brother. He's dying. Some raging fever, something. So they are oblivious to what has happened in another town where Jesus was. Now verse 5, John tells us the way Jesus felt about these siblings. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So John is letting us know Jesus really cared about this trio, these siblings. So when he heard that he was sick, look what Jesus did. When he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. 
Father, we thank you for your word today and pray that you will bless it. Open our ears, Lord. Open our eyes. Speak a word right to our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Now, let me just kind of bring you up to speed a little bit here. As we shared, Lazarus was the brother of uh, Mary and Martha. The three of them were very dear and precious to Jesus. That's why John tells us that he loved Lazarus and Mary and Martha. He's telling us that for a reason. Now, one day, Lazarus became very sick. And so they sent a messenger. They didn't have uh, phones. They didn't have email. They didn't have ambulances. They just had messengers. So they sent a messenger to Jesus who was ministering in another town. And the messenger uses an emotional appeal. He doesn't just say Lazarus is sick, but he sort of hits the Lord between the eyes and says, the one who you love, he whom you love is sick. Now, without question, because of the closeness of the affection between Jesus and these three siblings, they justifiably expected Jesus to drop everything and run to Lazarus. Isn't that what you would do if you love somebody? You drop everything and run, especially if you have the power to heal them, without question. If you love them, you'd run to them in the 911 situation and you'd heal them. But Scripture records something mysterious, something unusual. And you got to stop and pause and take note of this. When he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Now, if I love somebody, this does not register. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. It doesn't square. If I love somebody, this is a weird way to act. If my wife, if I, if, if I were at work and somebody called and said, your wife has been in a car wreck, she's in the hospital, you would think I was a monster if I didn't leave work and go immediately to the hospital. You'd think something was wrong. This didn't, didn't jive. Why isn't Jesus going and doing something about this? Now, I want to just suggest to you, and I want to bring out a concept to you today when it comes to our walk with Jesus. What the two sisters had encountered was the mysterious silence of God. In spite of the situation, in spite of the circumstances, Jesus being fully able, Jesus did not answer and Jesus did not respond. They encountered the silence of God. Now we in full gospel, spirit-filled, charismatic type churches are real big on God talking, God talking. I know people tell me all the time, Lord told me this, Lord told me that. God's always telling them something. Sometimes I say, why isn't he talking to me that much? Lord told me this. Lord told me that. Lord told me to call you and tell you. Lord told me, blah, blah, all the time God is talking. But I think in charismatic circles and in spirit-filled circles, we need some understanding about when God is silent. Because there are times when God is silent. Now, I don't know if you've experienced it lately. I've had many seasons of this in my own life. In the years that I've walked with the Lord, going on 35 years now, I've had many times when God was silent, when I had a situation, I had a question, I had something I was really, really wondering about, and God was silent. God didn't talk to me. I would pray. I would say, what about this? What am I to do? What is your word to me? And God was silent. The silence of Jesus hit them 
like a bowling ball. Are you experiencing the silence of God today in your life? Are you experiencing God just being quiet towards you? I'm telling you, it's a common experience in walking with God, and David knew exactly what it was like. David wrote about this silence from God. Listen, as I looked into the Word of God, and I looked for this phenomenon, this experience of God being silent, I found all kinds of verses. Listen to what David said. My God, why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning, oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, and I'm not silent, I'm crying to you, God, in the day and in the night, but you're not hearing. And the reason I don't believe you're hearing is because you're not speaking. You're silent. Job, in the furnace of his suffering, experienced the silence of God. I discovered in looking in the Word, Job said, I go forward, but he is not there. Backward, but I cannot perceive him. In the 42 chapters of the book of Job, for 37 of them, this man is suffering and God is silent. He doesn't say one word to Job for 37 of 42 chapters. In some of the Psalms, they are called the Psalms of Asaph. The Psalms of Asaph are Psalms 73 through 83. And in one of the Psalms of Asaph, we hear this man grappling with the silence of God. And he asks the question, has God forgotten to be gracious? Has his mercy ceased? Has his promise failed? I'm in a trial, and God is silent. Some other writers of the Psalms, the sons of Korah, wrote these words. I have cried out to you, Lord. Why do you hide your face from me? Have you ever felt like God was hiding from you? Have you ever felt like it was hide and seek? Have you ever felt like, here I am in a situation, I'm calling on you, I'm seeking you, I, I need you, but it seems like you're hiding from me, like you're silent. The following words were found scrawled on a cellar wall where some Jews had hidden in World War II Germany. I believe in the sun even when it isn't shining. I believe in love even when I am alone. And I believe in God even when he is silent. When God is silent, I got to tell you what won't do any good. Complaining won't do any good. When God is silent, you should not spiral down in unbelief or depression. When God is silent, we should question the silence. Because often God is talking and we're not hearing him for a number of reasons. And I want to share with you quickly a few of the reasons why we may not be hearing God. One of the reasons is sin. The foremost reason that God may be silent is sin. Unconfessed sin, living a life of persistent sin, plugs up our ears so that even when God is talking, we cannot hear him. Sin deafens your ears to the voice of God. That's one of the many, many, many bad consequences of sin. Let me tell you, there's not a person, there's not a thing, there's not a habit, there's not anything worth losing the voice of God. There's not a sin that's worth it. God wants to speak to us. God wants to communicate with us. 
But sin will put wax in your ears. Sin will put stops in your ears. And you will begin to say, well, God just doesn't hear me or God just doesn't speak or this Christianity thing is not real because it's not doing anything in my life. Ah, but it may not be doing anything in your life because the life flow is stopped up because of sin. Church, I love you. I love you in Christ. And that's why I got to tell you the truth about sin and the deceitfulness of sin. When you choose a sin, you have just negated the voice of God, the communication of God, the fellowship with God. And I don't want anything to stop him from speaking to me. I come to the garden alone where the dew is still on the lily. And the voice I hear speaking into my ear, the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ It is so sweet. You hear him say to you, you are my beloved and I am yours. I want the Lord to be able to talk. But one of the things that stops up the voice of God is sin. When we repent, God is so gracious to reach down and unstop the ears of faith so that once again, the spirit of life flows. The word of the Lord begins to come to us. We begin to have peace. Our steps become light. We get a smile on our face and a gleam in our eye. We get a a, a skip in our step because now all is right with us and him nothing is worth breaking that communion but there's another thing that can stop the voice of God and cause him to be silent and I believe that is we can drown him out just drown God out you know a couple of centuries ago we didn't have blackberries We didn't have iPods, we didn't have email, we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have television, we didn't have radio. There were not one million different voices competing for the voice of God in our life. You might have had some busyness, some a few people surrounding you that interrupted your times with God, but that was about it. But now we are so drowning out the voice of God, the media alone. We're barraged with media input, television, Blackberries, iPods, radio, Paris Hilton, Anna Nicole, OJ, and whatever the latest media obsession is. And God's voice is simply drowned out of our life. It's just drowned out. I'll tell you, this week I had Paris OD. I OD'd on Paris. I felt like I'd been shooting up Paris. Finally, I said, hey, this is crazy, baby. I turned off that TV, opened up my Bible, and let God begin to talk to me because the world doesn't revolve around what happens to Paris and her days in jail. The world revolves around Jesus and his will and his purpose for this land. And we need to pray for people like Paris. She desperately needs Jesus Christ. And I really do pray that somehow she gets a hold of him in jail because everybody needs the Lord. Up and outers, down and outers, everybody needs the Lord. And Paris needs the Lord. Anna Nicole needed Jesus. O.J. still needs to get saved. I think. But we drown the voice of God out. And here's why. The problem is that God's voice is not a loud voice. God speaks in a still, small voice. When Elijah was in the cave 
And he had brought Israel to its knees in repentance from Baalism. And he ran from Jezebel and got into a cave. It says God brought a great earthquake by. And then God brought a great wind by. And then God brought a fire roaring by. And every one of them were dynamic and shook the earth and were uh, uh, noisy and shaky and tumultuous. But it says in the Bible, God was not in the wind and God was not in the fire and God was not in the earthquake. God was not in all the noise and God was not in all of the activity it says suddenly a still small voice spoke to him and said what are you doing here what are you doing here Elijah and he wrapped his face in a mantle and walked to the mouth of the cave because he knew I have not heard the voice of God until now he's not in the noise he's not in the tumult he is in that still small voice that speaks in the deep corners of your soul and says this is the way walk ye in it I love you today I am fellowshipping with you today here is my wisdom here's my word here is what I've got to say and it happens when the prayer closet door is shut and the TV has been turned off and the radio has been turned off and People Magazine has been shut away and you've got alone with God and shut yourself in with God and in the prayer closet Jesus said your heavenly father who sees in secret will openly reward you people will be able to tell you're blessed because you really did spend time with me A man once lost his valuable watch in an ice house. All of his fellow workers diligently searched the ice house, moving everything, looking through every nook and cranny, and they could not find this highly valuable watch. But a little boy, hearing about the same watch during his lunch break, went into this ice house and shut the door, and then quickly thereafter emerged with the watch in his hand. All the men were amazed and said, how in the world did you find it? We looked everywhere. We couldn't find it. The little boy said, well, I simply went to the ice house, closed the door, laid down quietly on the floor, and I began to listen. And after a while, I could hear tick, 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 and I found it. And that's the way you got to be with God you got to go into the prayer closet and shut the door. you got to put your ear to the Word. And after a while, you're going to hear tick, tick, tick. The still, small voice of God. And one word from God can carry you a month, a year. It's so worth it to get with Him and let Him speak to you. Tick, tick, tick. That's why I'm always telling you, you've got to have a daily quiet time with God. you got to. Where you're getting out of the hustle and the bustle of the world and getting into the Word of God through His Word. He's continually conversing with us. But sometimes we're too busy to hear Him. you got to tune in. There's another reason that goes right along with this one. Sometimes our ears are not tuned to His frequency. You know, if I'm going to hear something... Uh, 91.7. Like there's this guy on every week from 6 to 6.30 p.m., some show called Word Talk. But you know what? He, he, can be on, he can be on for years and I never hear him unless I make the effort to tune in that frequency. And people who tune in that frequency hear the Word of God on that station. But unless you tune it in, you're never going to hear it. And see, it's the same thing with the voice of God 
We've got to tune in to the frequency of his voice. Sometimes we can go so long without hearing the voice of God that when he speaks, we don't even recognize him because we have not listened in so long. Back in the late 19th century, true story, at Dartmouth College, a young American Indian boy shared a room with an Anglo student. Over Christmas vacation, the Anglo invited the Indian to come home with him to his home in New York City. The Indian had never been to the big city before. One day, they were walking down Fifth Avenue, and the Indian boy was amazed at all the hustle and the bustle of the crowds, the carriages, the horses, and all the big city sounds. And that was years ago. But all of a sudden, the Indian stopped and said, Listen, do you hear it? A cricket. His roommate, the Anglo, looked at him and said, Are you crazy? I don't hear any cricket. It's too noisy. The Indian ran across the street, ran up a flight of steps in front of an apartment building, leaned over into a flower box, and sure enough, there was the cricket chirping. How'd he hear him? His ear was tuned to that frequency. He'd grown up listening to the crickets at night. He grew up in the country. He knew the voice. His ear was tuned to hear it. And it's the same way with the voice of God. We, as God's children, ought to be like that Indian boy. When God's voice speaks in the middle of a noisy city, hustle and bustle, we ought to go, huh, my sheep hear my voice. We ought to go, I hear the word of the Lord. Hang on a second. I'm going to go and answer that call. Jesus said to the people listening to him one day, your ears are open, but you don't hear a thing. Your eyes are awake, but you don't see a thing. You stick your fingers in your ears so you won't have to listen. So you won't have to deal with me face to face and let me heal you. Sometimes we don't want to hear him. I personally believe that's Paris's problem. I think she is so used to so much noise from so many different directions, a cacophony of noises, constant racket, that when she got alone and there was no noise, it freaked her out. We need to learn to be a people that get alone with God. We need to be a people who hear the cricket. Amen? Amen? What are you listening to? Well, my heavenly Father is talking to me about some things. I hear the voice of the Lord. The book of Hebrews says concerning this, we have much to say which is hard to explain since you have become dull in your spiritual hearing. You've become dull and sluggish, even slothful in achieving spiritual insight. If you're going to grow in the Lord and grow in spiritual wisdom and insight, what goes hand in hand with that is hearing the voice of the Lord coming to you through His Word and through His Spirit. Amen, everybody. Y'all are quiet today. Have you heard the voice of the Lord recently? If He speaks to you, can you pick it out in a crowd? If He speaks to you, do you know the voice? Do you heed it? Or is He trying to get to you and you can't hear Him because you've drowned Him out? Now, there are times, like what I've just told you, when we've plugged up our ears or ignored him or we're out of tune with him. And that's why God is seemingly silent. But there are other times in our Christian experience when everything is right with us and God, yet for some inexplicable reason, he is silent. We're praying about something and he's silent. We need an answer and he's not talking. We're looking for direction and it doesn't seem like anything is coming. Why is God quiet? 
Why is God silent? For no apparent reason. Well, I'm going to tell you a few reasons why. I want you to catch this one. We need to learn this one. God is silent to remind us that He is sovereign and we are not. Now, when I say that He's sovereign, what I mean is you take a king in another country, the king of England. He's sovereign over England. He has control over England. But now, when you say God is sovereign, what we're saying is He is in charge of His universe. He doesn't answer to anybody. Now, I'm going to say that again about our God. He doesn't answer to anybody. These people who go around commanding God to do things make me nervous. They command angels to jump, and they say they're commanding God. Now, I do believe you can hold God to a promise, but don't go commanding God. Uh Uh-uh. You got your wires crossed, dear. You don't command God to do anything. We are, he is the potter. We are the clay. He's up there. We're down here. He is all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere at once. We are at his beck and call, and we are at his mercy, and he is sovereign. He, Paul told us in Ephesians, he does all things after the counsel of his own will. He answers to no man, no woman, no government, no land. You don't push God around or command God to do anything. He's not obligated to answer us, to inform us, or let us know anything. If he wants to be quiet, he can be quiet because he is God. And sometimes you just need to look up and say, you're God, I'm not. I saw the job description, I can't fill it. (laughs) A.W. Tozer wrote these words. God is absolutely free because no one and no thing can hinder him or compel him or stop him. He is able to do as he pleases always, everywhere, and forever. That's God. Job faced the the, the choice of acknowledging or rejecting the sovereignty of God that I'm talking to you about right now. He could have either just freaked out, given up, and done what his wife told him to do, which was curse God and die Or Job responded by respecting the sovereignty of God, and that's what he did, and he wrote these words. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity, he asked. Sometimes you just have to look up and say, you're sovereign and I'm not. I can't tell you how often the concept of sovereignty has saved my sanity. Because there are times it looks like the enemy is winning. There are times it looks like people are getting away with things. There are times it looks like he is not in charge. I've often thought about Jesus. When they came to arrest him, this one who walked on the water, healed the sick, raised the dead, always had a word in season. Nobody ever outdid him, outdebated him, outmatched him in any way. Suddenly it looked like all hell broke loose. They grabbed him. He's betrayed by one of his disciples. They whip him and beat him beyond recognition. It looks like the whole world is going crazy. Yet Jesus from the cross looked up and said, Into thy hands, I commit my spirit. He was trusting in the sovereignty of God. I know that no matter how it looks, my God is in charge of the world. No matter how it looks, he's in charge of his universe. He flung the stars into space. He scooped out the oceans. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He created the animals. He created marine life. He created the birds. He created you and me, and he did not step out and turn it over to the devil to be in charge of his creation. No, no, no. God is sovereign, and sometimes we just got to stop and say, no matter what happens, happens to me. We can say with Job, though he slay me, 
yet I will trust him because I know that my God is in charge of his world. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't lean to your own understanding. Your own understanding as a human being gets right about to hear and falls to the ground. We see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. But right now, it's like we're groping through a fog on our best day. We don't see what God sees. So we don't trust in what our heart tells us, but we trust in the Lord and not circumstances, in the Lord and not what people are doing, in the Lord and not what the enemy is doing, in the Lord and not what sickness is doing, in the Lord we trust. Now, there's another way, another reason that God is silent when, as far as we know, everything is fine. God's silence gets our attention when we're too distracted with other things. How many of you will be honest today and say, I guarantee you, I get distracted by life and I neglect God sometimes? Come on. The rest of you, I'm going to give an altar call at the end and you're free to come down. When God goes silent on us, The pain of the silence that stirs up in us that longing and that hunger for God hopefully pushes us to do something about the silence that is between us and God. See, when God grows silent, he does like my mom did to me. You know, my mother, my little mother, is she so saved now? She gets up at the break of day and prays over all of us. I covet her prayers. But I thought back just about a year ago, one of my weaknesses is I'll get busy with stuff and I won't call. My little mother who lives in Richardson, right down the road, and I wouldn't call her. And she started calling and leaving messages. And I come in and hit the recorder and here it'd be, Jeffrey. (laughs) Nobody on earth calls me Jeffrey but my mother. (laughs) Jeffrey, this is mom. Just wanted to let you know I'm still living in Richardson. And she'd call and leave these messages. And I'd say to myself, ah, you know, I'll do it. Oh, Mom, yeah, I hear you. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Hallelujah. And, and I'd keep right on going, and I'd not call. Well, I was driving down the road one day, and it occurred to me, I hadn't heard from her in quite a while. No messages. She went silent on me. <laughs> and when she was calling all the time, I was just, oh, yeah, I know you're there, and I'm going to get to it, I guarantee you. But when she went silent on me, I thought, uh-oh. And I was driving down the highway. I'll never forget it. I was, and it hit me. I haven't heard from her in a few weeks. She's gone silent on me. So I called. Hello, mother. It's me. Well, hi, Jeffrey. I said, I haven't heard from you in a while. Oh, and I knew right then. She knew how to play me. She knew how to play me. And here's what she intended, that the silence would begin to hurt and concern me and got my attention to where I finally called when all of her requesting that I called didn't do much good. The silence made a lot of noise. And sometimes God will go silent on you to get your attention. How long has it been since you sought him, since you went into that prayer closet, since you put him first? Now, sometimes God is silent because we need to obey what he's already told us to do. God will not tell you something new 
until you have done what he's already told you to do. What has God already told you to do, those of you who are experiencing the silence of God? What has God already told you to do? Because until you do it, he's not going to tell you anything new. He's not going to chase you down another trail because he wants you taking care of what he told you to do back there. And you know what? God may be silent because you already know the answer. You already know. He doesn't need to tell you again. Deep down, you already know. Jesus played, prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating as it were drops of blood. He said, Lord, if there's any way this cup can pass from me, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And the Bible intimates that God was silent to his own son that night. Didn't say anything to him. You know why? He already knew the answer. I came to die. I came to go to that cross. It's my destiny to die there so that I can spill my blood for the sins of mankind. It is not, he has nothing new to say to me. I already know the answer. And sometimes we go to God hoping he'll say something different, but we already know the answer. Now, the last one I want to point out to you, one reason God is silent. Remember Mary and Martha? Let's go back to them as we close. Mary and Martha, here they are. Their brother is dying. We know that four days after he was dead, Jesus finally showed up. It looked like neglect to the natural eye. It looked like he didn't care. But, you know, I was thinking about this, and I saw a final reason why God is sometimes silent, because he has a plan that if he opened it up to you, your mind could not handle it. And so he's silent. And sometimes God's silence says these words, trust me. I'm doing something you don't know, you're not aware of, and if I told you what I was doing, your mind would not be able to take it in. If Jesus had come from that town and come to Mary and Martha and said to them, I'm not going to heal him, I'm going to let him die, do you think that they would have had a tea time right about then? No, they would have had a major confrontation. What do you mean you're going to let him die? You're able to heal him. Don't you dare let Lazarus die. You love him. He loves you. He took care of you. We've had you in our house. Don't you dare let him die. They would not have been able to handle the bigger plan of God. And can I inform you folks that God has some things for you and me that if he told us today, it'd blow our minds all over this sanctuary. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared and is preparing for those who love him. I'm going to tell you, he's preparing a table before you in the presence of your enemies. God is moving in ways you cannot see today or be aware of. He is behind the scenes in his kitchen cooking up a meal that would blow your mind if you saw it today. You wouldn't be able to handle it. Now, I'm going to preach to you just a minute. The reason that God sometimes doesn't talk, Jesus said in one place in the Bible to his disciples, I have many things to say to you, but you could not bear it now. There are things that he could say to us, but we could not bear it now. If he opened up your eyes to see down the tunnel of time, things that he has prepared for you, that he's going to do for you, and he showed you what you were going to have to go through to get there, you'd run and hide behind the nearest bushes and never come out again. You'd say, I can't do that. But God knows what he can bring you to. God knows where he's taking you to. God knows what 
what you can handle in his power. And so God has a plan bigger than yours, bigger than what you're aware of. And that's why he can't come to you and answer you. That's why he's silent. Amen. When I think of all that Kathy and I have been through, all the things that we've experienced and what God is doing now, I know that there have been so many times if God had said to me, here's what I'm doing, Jeff, I would not have been able to bear it. But God is good. He just says, trust me. In the fire and in the valley, in the wilderness, God says, trust me. I've got your hand. I've got it all under control. I'm in charge of my world. I have not been checkmated by the devil. Man or devil is not going to sway me from what I'm going to do in your life. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me, and he that began a good work in me is going to finish it till the day of Jesus Christ. No devil in hell and no man on earth is going to stop the plan of God. I'm telling you, this cranks me up. This gets me excited. We've got to know we don't walk with a dead or impotent God. He's the God of the universe, and he's in charge. Can we stand together today? And so Jesus walked up to the sisters and said, roll away the stone. They had no clue. They rolled away the stone after telling Jesus what he already knew. He stinks by now. And Jesus spoke down into the tomb of their trouble. Lazarus, come forth. And he who had been dead four days came walking out of that tomb. Just sent the city into shockwaves. So much bigger than healing a sick man. Oswald Chambers wrote, When you cannot hear God, you will find that he has trusted you in the most intimate way possible with absolute silence. Not a silence of despair, but one indicative of his pleasure because he saw that you could handle an even bigger revelation. Let me summarize it. Sin can cause God's silence. We can drown his voice out. We cannot be tuned into his frequency. We need to remember that he's sovereign we already may, uh, may know the answer. It may be an indication of his pleasure. And it may be an indication he's got a bigger plan that he can't share with you. Amen. Amen. Father, we just thank you that you're in charge. And we pray your blessing on every person in this house. Lord, I believe that everyone in here is called of God. And there is a special purpose for each one. Lord, show your power. Show your might. And we trust you in the silence. In Jesus' name. Now, while Steve plays, I want you to take a moment. If you're experiencing the silence of God, say, Lord, which of those things that Pastor Jeff just talked about, which of those applies? Let him speak to you and then trust him. In Jesus' name.